Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Spoiler Warning Podcast. This is review number 702 with a review of The Northman. I'm Christopher Sazy. And I'm Stephen Miller. And if you're joining us for the first time, the Spoiler Warning Podcast is the weekly film review program. Each week of the show, we're going to dive in, debate, discuss, and argue over the latest films coming to a theater near you. Um, this week, we already released an episode uh, with a review of The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. Now we're talking about The Northman, and we're also potentially going to have a review of Duel. For now, The Northman is a film that is based on uh, Norse mythology. So, Stephen, you know anything about that? <laughs> nope. Nope, I do not. I, I think specifically I've heard this is based on the story that also partially inspired Hamlet, which is why the lead character, Amleth, is maybe not a coincidence, but I haven't Googled enough to know if they came up with that or if the story actually was called Amleth already. Um, but yeah, don't know anything. I know Valhalla is a thing in Norse mythology. Um, I know Valkyries are there. I was not <laughs> sure about their orthodontic situation, but... Um, <laughs> It makes sense. Um, And I've seen two out of three. No. Yeah, I've seen two out of three of the Thor movies. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, like, all of my knowledge of Norse mythology is uh, just just the Thor films, I guess. Um, But I miss Dark World, which is maybe where the the braces with Valkyries uh, comes into play. (laughs) There's actually uh, someone published an article. I, I said to J- Jamie because we were joking about the braces thing too. There's like some article where the headline was "No, the Valkyrie didn't have braces," and it was all about how I guess they used to shave their teeth um, to have symbols in them or some junk like that. Um, obviously, I read the article, uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I don't really have any familiarity uh, with uh, Norse mythology. Um, it, we we did both see this at Alamo. And Mm -hmm. beforehand, uh, but obviously I couldn't actually listen to it because everybody was taking their seats and talking and placing orders and stuff like that. But there was like one of those YouTube animated video explainers of like all the all you would need to know if you cared anything about Norse mythology. And I was like, I should definitely Google for that video (laughs) when I get home. I did not do so, um, but uh, I don't know if it would have helped me or not. Um, Yeah, I I told myself I would look up the original story that this is based on when I got home and... I did not do that either. So I thought maybe you pulled a green knight and did some like extracurricular research inspired by the movie. <laughs> Any movie with Ralph Ineson in it, I feel like you have to now just as a rule. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, I did not uh, do it this time, but, uh, but yeah, maybe, maybe we'll, maybe we'll get into why as we review this film. Sure. <laughs> All right. You ready to get started, Stephen? Yep. All right. Let's take a listen to the trailer for the Northmen and then come back and give everybody a review. The king. Your fate is set and you cannot escape it. How I've missed you, my son. One day this kingdom will be yours. Thank you, father. My king. I will avenge you, Father! 
such a hellish place. To find what was stolen from me. And what is that? The kingdom. You must choose between kindness for your kin or hate for your enemies. Your strength breaks men's bones. Ah! I have the cunning to break their minds. Night by night, we will carry out my pledge of vengeance. I will avenge you, father. I will avenge you, father. I will save you, mother. I will save you, mother. I will kill you, father. Right, so that was the trailer for The Northman, um, is the story of a young boy um, who is, uh, I guess, the prince of uh, a king and is supposed to grow up and inherit the kingdom. Um, but that king is killed suddenly and he flees to another land to try to not get killed. And while he is grown up and become a great warrior, he finds out uh, what the current status is of the man who killed his father and captured his wife and decides that he will journey off to find him, kill him, rescue his wife, and uh, take back all that was taken from him. Stephen Miller, what did you think of The Northman? I thought this movie was technically very, very impressive. Plot-wise, didn't have a whole lot new to offer, and I am glad I saw it in theaters, because I think that makes the technical impressiveness of it elevate the fact that the storyline isn't something i care about i I don't usually cut to the chase that quickly but that is just the the two (laughs) things i want to hold at one time like visually i think this movie is overwhelming in in a very good way um like the lighthouse and the witch it feels very inspired by art from the time period that it is referencing um and that doesn't mean I understand art from the time period. It just feels like it must be referencing something. Um, <laughs> what I mean by that is like, there's a thing that happens a lot in this movie where there's a kind of like a flat look where there will be muted colors and the characters will be illuminated in a very specific, different way. And it feels very surreal and heightened and not at all the realistic look and feel that most of the movie does. It, it's like um, the phone calls from after Yang. <laughs> Yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah that, that's how it feels. Um, <laughs> yeah, th- 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 there's just an interesting thing where it is very clear that every shot is being composed with intention to try to cultivate this extremely Nordic Viking ass <laughs> feeling movie. Yeah. Um, the realism like is definitely on display here. Um, I think the brutality of their fighting, like whenever there is a battle scene, it feels so intense and real and painful. And so many of them are long takes with many people doing shit all around the camera. And I can't even imagine how difficult it was to get those shots. Um, It really does put you in the 
time and place in a way that I think is impressive. And I like the wildness of nature in the movie. You know, we get like the sea that he travels across. We get like a Ukrainian forest where they are fighting and pillaging in. Uh, we have a volcano in this movie. We Everything is very big and grand. And it is cool to see him do this kind of intense... Uh, faithfulness to folklore on an epic scale like i don't think spoilers we are going to see him do it again <laughs> so I'm, <laughs> I'm glad he got to do it this one time um a lot of articles about this movie referenced the fact that he found post-production robert eggers found it to be very rocky because he had to make studio execs happy to justify the 70 million 90 million dollars they put into the movie that they were definitely not getting back <laughs> yeah um, and it is just interesting to see someone do a swing this big. I think the cast is all pretty great. Um, and there are huge people here just to show up and be in like five seconds of this movie. Um, you and I talked about Bjork <laughs> during the trailer. Bjork <laughs> is in this movie. Uh, Willem Dafoe is in this movie for probably more time in the trailer than the actual movie. <laughs> um, <laughs> but he, he is just great as this like Yorick jester type character. Um, Alexander Skarsgård and Anya Taylor-Joy, obviously, I think, do their thing very well. They're, they're two very different characters in the movie, and I think they pair well together. Um, I like I like everything the cast is giving the movie. I like Nicole Kidman's creepiness and her, like, her impossibility to pin down uh, the guy who plays Fjolnir, Clay Bang. He feels like he grew up in Nordic times, and they just, like told him what to do like he feels very realistic <laughs> to me um there again th there's a lot to like about the movie the plot doesn't really go much of anywhere it is very 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 simple it is i'm getting revenge here i am getting revenge here are a bunch of tasks and plagues of sort that represent the kind of revenge I'm getting on my enemy that feel pulled from folklore, even if they were completely made up for the movie. Um, and it kind of drags. Like, I don't think this movie has to be as long as it is. I don't think the character growth in this movie is basically vengeance doesn't make anyone happy, but fuck it. I'm doing it anyway. And that is like an interesting <laughs> thesis for a movie, but you know, two hours, plus 10, 20 minutes is like not, it didn't need that much time to hammer it across. So I don't know. I'm, I'm torn between respecting the hell out of how the movie was made and how intense. And I think entertaining in a game of Thronesy type way, the action is in the movie and how empty the storyline feels. And I, that just made me leave not knowing how, how I feel. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I'm glad you're sort of middle of the road on this, um, or at least towards the positive side, because I actively dislike this film. I think, and not in like a fun way, um, something just rubbed me the wrong way. And, and it might just be the tone overall of this film is so wildly all over the place that it just doesn't jive with the story I'm trying to watch. Um, like I, I was joking before we started about... Um, you know, smelling burps and farts to tell the future and stuff like that. And it's just the, to me, this feels like a bunch of kids playing dress up. Like they found a lore book with photos and they 
just started acting everything out as though they were Lord of the Flies, but they have no real concept of what they're actually doing or why they're doing. They're saying lines that they don't believe themselves or know what it means. Um, you know, actually, honest, honestly, if we can remember in our review of um, Drive My Car and I was talking about, I personally didn't get how you're supposed to be able to judge acting when all of the characters performing a play are acting in their own native tongue and then everybody else is acting in theirs and nobody is actually communicating with each other. They're just saying lines towards each other. That's how this entire film felt to me. Nobody says anything where I believe that the words they're saying have meaning to them. I'm just watching people give lines and, and, and that really... It was hard for me to latch onto this film and maybe if the story was all there and there was something really interesting happening and going on that I could follow, I could ignore that. But it was sort of, I, I felt like this film should have been 20 minutes, <laughs> but instead it was two hours and 20 minutes. <laughs> and it, it just felt, to me, it felt like you are doing things because you were told to do them in this order but you could do them in any order you want. And there's really one scene where he couldn't theoretically jump the line because an object he was holding made the decision whether or not he could use it in that moment. But besides yeah. that, it feels like you are going to a... So <laughs> you're, you're going to a... Like imagine a house in the middle of nowhere, right? Um, just the middle of... Like let, let's, just, let's just say, let's say the, the, the cabin... Um, in, in, uh, power of the dog, right? There's nothingness in all directions. And if you're standing there and there's only four people that you have to fight and you're fucking a guy who is obviously a gnarly warrior, you could probably kill all the people who are there with your bare hands and be done with right. your entire quest. But instead, you want to play into this reality. Like, I never understood the motivations of the character other than the fact that as he rows a boat for four days, he just says his motivations over and over and over again. But I never believed any of the actions of the characters. Anya Taylor-Joy Taylor is playing a witch of some sort. But until maybe the last 10 minutes of the film, you don't see her perform witchcraft you hear her say things like, I'm speaking with the earth. You don't hear the earth speak back to her. You don't like, like it, it, it is just her saying that she wants to be witch-like <laughs> and we're never seeing anything, uh, any of that, right? We're just seeing her talk about being a witch. And then all the way at the end of the film, you know, you see her call upon some wind to make a boat go faster, right? <laughs> and it's like, there's all this thing where it's playing with this imagery that should be beautiful, but it feels... Uh, flat, not flat, flat emotionally to me versus flat, like aesthetically, like you were talking about earlier. And I, I even kind of don't agree with you about the combat. Um, the combat is chaotic, but to me, it felt very choreographed and not as like, I understood that Skarsgård was supposed to be a brutal warrior who is just pure rage and can fight. But even compare the way he appears with his like axe and his dagger thing compared to say uh, Adam Driver in the Star Wars films where he is just wielding. I really that... thought you were going to say the last duel. <laughs> no, not the last duel. Um, but like the way he's like wielding that like crazy uh, lightsaber with like the exhaust fence on it. Right. And when you see him fight, you're like, that is not a person who is using skill to fight. He is using brute force and fighting through people and like when i watch adam driver in that film 
I fear him as a warrior because uh, because he is fighting through people. Like somebody could block the sword, but the sword will still go through them because he just has that much hate behind his swings. In this, I fear him because he's covered in blood. He has a wolf on his head and he's going, ah, right? That's scary. Like I would be scared mm-hmm. if I saw that on the streets of San Francisco. <laughs> you know what I mean? I have. But, but I don't, I don't see him as a great warrior. I see him as a boy who grew up to be a man and is now just screaming a lot. And, and I, I don't know. I really was kind of excited going into this film. And from the very beginning, I was like, oh, no, what am I watching? I don't. <laughs> this doesn't feel right at all. And I just never recovered the entire time. Interesting. I'm, I'm surprised about the combat part because I feel like at least early in the movie, he is in the Rusland, who I, which, where I think is supposed to be like Ukraine, um, and his pack of bears or wolves, I, I get the animals confused because they reference both of them. Yeah. Um, they, they are pillaging and we watch them pillage a town and there's kind of this like long shot or a series of a few long shots where they march through the town and just murder everyone in it. You don't feel like the hulking strength and power of Alexander Skarsgård in that moment. Cause I feel like he can just tear through anyone. Yeah. When when he swings an axe and and knocks a guy off the horse, that seems powerful. But I also go like, well, that guy had like a cable on him and he got yanked up. Like, I don't, I don't believe it. Like I'm watching Mm. it, but it feels very, it's, it's just because what, what about when he uh when he plays quidditch <laughs> <laughs> the, honestly the quidditch is the best is the best combat to me um <laughs> uh <laughs> for like in that scene i 100 percent bought it um for for many reasons <laughs> um but like yeah. in in the large battle scenes it seems like there's too much going on and it seems like the choreography is not um brutal enough it's like, because cause, cause they're trying to show that he is just a force of nature. So all the movements are actually kind of slow. And it's just like, shink, and it's just like these, these small movements. But it feels like people are waiting for the impact a little bit. Like they, they, they're like, this is where I get hit. Take the hit. You know, it doesn't feel like it doesn't feel like the choreography makes me think like, oh, shit. This guy's crazy. I hope I never have to fight him. Like, obviously, I'm never going to fight him. But, <laughs> but it didn't. It didn't. It didn't give me that sense of maybe he just needed swords that were like bigger than his head, right? Like, <laughs> like some video gamey kind of massive uh, weapon that was making me go like, oh shit, I can't believe he can swing that thing that's bigger than his head, right? <laughs> yeah. Maybe that would have helped me. I I don't think so. But it it just felt it just felt weird. And like honestly, the whole time I was watching this movie, I was like, man. I just want to go home and play Elden Ring. <laughs> Interesting. So I, okay, I disagree about the combat. I I understand your feeling overall. Like you talked about how it feels like they have all this folklore, all these images that they're playing with, but they, and I assume they here as the actors or the characters, have no real concept of what they're doing or why they're doing it. Yeah. And I buy that. I think that, the thing you have to buy into with like Robert Eggers, and I think it's true with The Witch and The Lighthouse, and it's true here, is you aren't just watching a movie set in a time. You are watching a movie that feels made by the people who made stories of that time. Yeah. Like, and it has all the logic of it. And kind of like how The Green Knight did it for this, you know, medieval lore where the the quest 
doesn't make sense. The quest is a series of things and it isn't a linear path from A to B. Yeah. And what you are really doing is just like falling into this alternate logic of the art that it is inspired by. Um, and in this case, even though I'm not familiar with Norse mythology, I felt that this was very much doing that. Like, like I felt like, you know, it isn't a straightforward revenge quest. Like, like you said, there's a moment yeah. pretty early in the movie where clearly, given what we know about Alexander Skarsgård, he could end the whole quest if he wanted to. Yeah. Um, and for sure, he would be successful. Um, but instead, he is an agent of chaos. He is like a biblical plague being reaped upon this town. He is like, they want to do something else in a way that feels very, it isn't distant. It, it, or no, it, it, I don't, I don't know the way to say it. It's, it's very ornate and delicate. It's like, we want this to be how it feels like to tell a mythological story in this time, even if it doesn't make sense to you. It is like the filmic equivalent of the accents in The Witch, where you're yeah. like, I don't know what you're saying, but you're, you're fucking living in that time period. Yeah. And, and I think this um, flows with the logic that a, you know, a Viking would the heroes that they aspire to be, this is the kind of thing they would think about. Is like, and then Amleth unleashed the blood of their enemies and the witch did give them a potion and blood. Like, it, yeah. it, it just is a... It is very much that. It is Renfair, if it were so well-researched that it feels like like it was literally made by people from medieval times. Uh, that is kind of how it feels. And I, and I get that, but the problem is it's being played by people from modern times, right? Like, if you mm. comp- like, like put it this way, there, there's, two, there's two comparisons I want to make. One is, if you go back to the Green Knight, right? When the Green Knight comes into that, you know, circle of the round of whatever, and, and he's like, someone, someone strike me down. I never once question why he's doing that, right? I just go like, yeah, fucking tree dude and like fucking magic-y medieval shit. And, and I just yeah. go, cool. And when he goes, you know, one year henceforth or whatever, I'm like, yeah, I get it. I'm, I'm on board. You have sold me on whatever this transaction is, must be completed in a year. And like, I, I just am 100% there. When it happens, when weird things happen in this film, it feels like, and here comes the second comparison. Do you remember the episode of South Park that was like the takedown of Scientology? Um, yeah. And it was like, it kept putting the titles on the screen that say, "Can you, this, this is something they actually believe. Mm-hmm. Tonally, when something strange is happening in this film, I was imagining text coming up on the screen saying that this is what they actually believe, or this was a real ritual they performed. Like, I just, that was in the back of my head. Every scene where something weird was happening, I was just kind of like, somebody is like, this, this was real. Can you believe that? How crazy is that? And it didn't feel like they weren't selling me on believing it. They were selling me that they read a book that said this. <laughs> and, and I don't yeah. know how, why I couldn't make that leap across that, that chasm. But it just it left me on the other side going like, all right, movie. I'll just be over here. <laughs> <laughs> Playing Elden Ring. Um, (laughs) No, I I, I get it. And I don't disagree about the conviction. Like, multiple actors, when they were interviewed about this movie, they referenced things like, usually when I take a role, 
I try to embody the character and learn how they feel. And then I get to put myself into the role. And Robert Eggers has crafted this so meticulously that I just have to be a part of it and say the lines and I'm a piece of the puzzle. Like, yeah, they said that in a positive sounding way, at least as far as, you know, press junkets go. Um, but that feeling is definitely there. Like th this is a, this is a director's movie and the actors are just like pawns in his grand folklore. Yeah. And that I think does bleed into the characters themselves feeling unmotivated in what they do because what they're motivated by is like a lot of mythology. They're motivated by like, they are symbols for other things and though they can't, they can't just do what they want. They have to do it in this very circuitous fashion that represents eight things that people aspired to in that time. Yeah. Um, and that is just a, it, it's a thing you have to take or leave that that part didn't on its own that didn't bother me just because i think technically speaking the movie was so engrossing uh and intense and like i, I know the word singular like everyone uses it for everything but this is like one guy thought this movie up and he just bent 90 million dollars worth of people <laughs> to his will <laughs> to make it happen and yeah. i respected that um but i do think like especially when the tone is bloody revenge barbarianism and your protagonist and protagonist is like, I don't even know what to call Amleth. He, cause he is not someone that we are meant to feel through really. Like there's a moment late in the movie where Anya Taylor joy is talking to him and he makes a decision that she thinks is the wrong one. And I think all of us in the audience also think like, that's fucking stupid. Why are you making that decision? Also um, the motivation for the decision didn't exist 30 seconds before that moment. And he just goes like, well, right. now everything is different. Yeah. Which is very much again, like mythology logic and not, you know, real human being logic. Yeah. Um, and I think that is a thing that I struggle with is having your movie centered around a character that you cannot know or understand at all, who is basically a brute who is meant to be like a depiction of why the things Nordic mythology, the things Viking culture glorified are empty <laughs> and don't give you joy. Like yeah. that is fine for a quick movie it's also fine for a lengthy movie with side characters who are so engrossing and human that you can like overlook the fact that your main character kind of has nothing going for him. Um, but I, two hours, 20 minutes, it was just hard to feel like I cared about his journey. It, it felt very nihilistic to me in a way that it was still to me, I guess I would compare it to watching the witch because I didn't love the witch. You, I think actively were not a fan of the witch too. I think you liked it less than I did. Um, I, when I interacted with The Witch, it was because I was afraid of it. It was the first horror movie I was watching in a while. And when I watched it, I was like, okay, I survived that part. I survived that part. I survived that part. And what I was left with was like, I'm very impressed with how it was made. I don't know what it all adds up to. I was too busy surviving. Yeah. Um, and like, I suspect if I rewatched The Witch now, I would feel more positive about it because I know I'm not going to be afraid of it anymore. Um, but this movie, I had no fear, but I had that same experience of like, I am surviving your brutality here and here and here and here and here. Yeah. And what I'm left with at the end is like the sum of a lot of really strikingly rendered brutality, but still not a story. Yeah. Like, I think with The Witch, I think it lost me by the end of it. But the visuals and the atmosphere 
are like amazing, spot on. Um, yeah. And like I get everything that I need to know about that universe from watching the first hour of it, right? It just, it didn't, it, I think as we went on and I was like, oh, this story is definitely not going to pay off in a way that I'm going to care about. It started to lose me. This one from the very beginning, I just didn't understand the tone of it. And it's like, it, it's a straightforward revenge fantasy, right? Or, or, or stories where it's like a, a, a boy was wronged. Now he's an adult. He's going to go get his revenge. But every new piece of information we're given about the state of the world makes his entire quest feel very pointless. And maybe the point is the pointlessness of it. It, it definitely is. Yeah. That doesn't make it entertaining. <laughs> but it doesn't like there, there is a, 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 a very popular video game series on the PlayStation. That's not Elden Ring. Um, that had two games and I think that the way that second game deals with the fallout of revenge and what it does to a person and the energy they put into something, the way it deals with it and the place those characters arrive at by the end of the game has weight and impact. And in this film, when you're approaching the climax, sure, it's visually interesting, um, I mean, if not reminiscent of uh, a certain uh, Jedi people turned bad guy, um, yeah. Uh, but but it it just it doesn't have the weight that it should. There is a major reveal, you know, an hour and forty five minutes into this film, where when it happened, I just said, "So," <laughs> like it it didn't it didn't provide any change of like oh my god now this story is tragic or now this story is intense it was are just... you talking about something involving nicole kidman yeah um yeah and what's funny too is there is a line she has way early on in the film where i understood it's like i half guessed the twist oh <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but I, I I misguessed the motivation for what the twist was. Um, so like it was like I accurately like so when it happened, I don't know maybe that's part of it too. Where I was like, yeah, I know. <laughs> but no, yeah, yeah, I know. I mean, I mean, I think I I also felt similarly there. I think all of it it makes more sense if you receive it as a horror movie, right? When a horror movie happens and a new set piece occurs where someone interacts with a person and it is strange and upsetting and they learn something they didn't know before. It isn't because you, the audience are like, Oh, I get it now. It is like the event is how disturbing that moment was. Um, And I think that is what all of these interactions are meant to feel like. And that's why you are completely right that Anya Taylor-Joy being a witch is like referenced in the movie and we rarely see it happen. And it didn't, bother me because in the random vignettes she gets to take part in creepy shit and like if if you just i think you just have to be on the wavelength of this is a like episodic horror that i'm watching and not like a grounded story where a character arc is going to be meaningful and i'm not a big horror fan so i also didn't love the way that that flowed but that's the only way i can make sense of yeah of this stuff and not to keep comparing this to the green knight uh, which is another film same feelings to it and Mm -hmm. and visually arresting at moments there is a scene in that film we both love 
I won't say what the scene is, but I will say it involves the camera panning. <laughs> it's not it's not about a sash, um, but it involves the camera panning in a circle, right? Yep. That is a very interesting shot. We, I think, both interpreted that shot as we are watching one entire eventuality of a moment. And right. when we return after having watched that, we know that the character is taking agency to prevent the moment that he saw from being a thing. That is sort of, it's my interpretation. I, th I believe that was your interpretation as well. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, all of the Green Knight has a little bit of a many worlds quality too. But uh, yeah, basically that was my interpretation. Yeah. For the sake of argument, you could interpret that scene in that way. Um, in, in this film, the, our, our character has several moments that just don't seem to have happened. Uh, they are, they are um, engagements that end. It, it, it's almost like uh, you went into your mind palace and fought a bad guy yeah. and then come out yeah. of the mind palace and be like, well, I would have won, so I'll just take this thing. <laughs> like, yeah, he's, things happen in the mirror world in, in this movie. Yeah, and, and, you know, that scene was cool. As soon as it re returned from the mirror world, I was like, huh? What? <laughs> What's that fucking supposed to mean? Like, I don't... Uh, uh, uh. And yeah. <laughs> remember, remember when we were talking about the Batman and we talked about bringing him into the light? <laughs> this mm -hmm. film has that exact moment and it makes it just as much sense. I agree. It, uh, very sim I, I knew the moment you started talking about the spinning scene in The Green Knight that you were referring to this moment too. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know what it means, but I was completely fine with it. Um, <laughs> that was, that was I, the moment it, when I was like, I wish I was playing Elden Ring right now. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> But I had fun with it, and I like a lot of his engagements. You know, this has a, there's a mysticism to this movie, clearly, again, which Lighthouse and this all live in a world where, like, occult spirituality is real in the time and place that the people live in. Yeah. Um, and in this case, there's, a, there's the Bjork witch, uh, which I liked a lot. There's a kind of male warlock, maybe, um, who with, is, with like... The head? Yeah, 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 who's laughing and, you know, commuting with his friend and sets him on a quest and gives him an object and stuff. And uh, I I liked all that shit. I, I thought that was all very cool. Again, in a very episodic way where it doesn't... Maybe episodic is the wrong word. It's like the there are just these sequential things that happen so they could be like bullet points in like ye grand tale of Amleth's quest or whatever. Um, and I enjoyed them for, for what they were. And I really like... Um, there's a kind of creepy celebration that goes on uh, after the Quidditch match where people are dancing with like midsummer type flowers in their hair <laughs> yeah, in yeah. the forest. And I, I like this kind of like, I mean, again, very reminiscent of the end of the witch, but it's this like the um, unbridled like wildness of humanity that he is tapping into. And I'm, I'm here for it. Yeah. Cool. Uh, well, is it time to figure out how here you are for it, Stephen? Sure. <laughs> All right. Let's go ahead and get to our verdicts then. If you were going to give us a must-see, record with a caveat, wait for until past the caveat, or a must-avoid, what would you give it? I am giving it a recommend with a caveat. I, I don't think the plot added up to a whole lot, and this will never be the kind of emotional movie that I cherish, but 
I am very impressed by the look and feel and commitment of the movie. And I think it is, it's a thing to behold and it is worth beholding in theaters if you behold it at all. So I'm, <laughs> I'm glad it was made. I'm sad that a thing like this probably will not be made again. Um, I don't even know how it was financed or why it was financed, but I, I enjoy that it exists. And I only wish that Robert Eggers could have brought some level of relatable human emotion to this grand project. And in a weird way, it is like, it is too much of his vision for the kind of movie it wants to be. I think he is like a visual stylist and a master of tone and for a big movie that is meant to hold you for two hours and 20 minutes, it would be great if he had paired that with probably more of what the producers wanted, which was like, give us a hero we root for or give us some kind of emotional through line that we can connect to. And I get that's not what he does. It's not what he wants to do, but <laughs> it would be real damn cool if if he did. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I, I would totally agree with you that if you were to behold this film, it is worth beholding in a theater. What I might disagree with you on is whether or not you should behold it at all. Um, I, I, I feel like I got just got to be honest the way I felt as Go I was walking out of the theater. Um, Go with um, your heart before I rip it out. <laughs> I'm gonna give it. Uh, I'm gonna give it a pass with a caveat. Um, mm -hmm. And then after you rip my heart out, you can look at the tree of my lineage and tell me which branch it stops on. Um, <laughs> Cool. Well, uh, that is going to do it for a review of The Northman. Um, Stephen Miller, people want to find you that the week. Where can they do that? Uh, people can find me at twitter.com slash sdavidmiller or sdavidmiller.com. People can find me at christopherinreallife.com or twitter.com slash christopherirl. You can find the podcast over at thespoilerwarning.com where you can get a bunch of the back episodes of the show. If you want to subscribe to the show, you can do so in Overcast, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever podcasts are found. If you want to know when the episodes go live, you can follow us at twitter.com slash spoilerwarning, facebook.com slash thespoilerwarning, or instagram.com slash thespoilerwarning. Um, if you want to get a hold of us directly, you can send an email to fans at thespoilerwarning.com or you can use the contact form on our site. Music for this episode will come from a track selected from artist.io, so hopefully you are enjoying that. And uh, yes, we have one more episode to do, um, and that is for a little film called Duel. And uh, we're going to take off and we're going to go do that. So see you then. Bye. Bye. Bye.